Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. Personal responsibility, personal accountability as leaders. That's our topic, Lisa. So this is our, I have none. Uh, I choose not to be accountable. Yeah. This is our podcast. (laughs) This is our podcast. So this is our responsibility to get this right and to make this and to make this good. So when I say that, when I say personal responsibility, accountability to do, what's the first thing that kind of leaps to your mind? Anything? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, one thing I've noticed is I say, I think let's stop doing that because I believe, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, on accountability, it's really important to own, own whatever it is. You're going to get faced as a leader with different conversations, whether those above you are asking you to do something, whether those around you are correcting it or whether you're correcting it with another person. And owning what is in front of you and making a change or making a shift, I think it's critical. You have to do that in order to be effective in leadership because we've got to be willing to change ourselves and see a different way if we're going to be flexible and adaptable. Um, you, You have to be accountable for your part in leading and your changes that need to be made to make you better. So when I hear, when I hear that I need to own it, what if, what if in my head I'm hearing, I need to accept blame? Well, there's three responses to that potential question. One, you're going to deal with somebody who absolutely owns it. And you say, Randy, I I need, we've got to change the way we're doing X. And, and what you did was X, X, you know, X, Y, Z. And you probably knowing Randy would say, okay, why you'd be curious, you'd understand the issue and then you'd make the change. That's one response. People that can think on their feet, respond, absorb without a reaction. Second response is typically to the extreme on the pendulum and they not only accept it, but they take full blame for every part of that. They break down, they feel they've let you down, they failed. Uh, and you see this huge, uh, I call it H and E huge and emotional response to the issue. They beat themselves up. That's right. They beat themselves there. You can tell the rest of the day they're in the dumps. They're not responsive. They're shutting their doors and they think they, you know, their career is ruined in a moment. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty They, they immediately think that you think less of them. That's correct. And then the third response is defensive. Not only do they not accept it, but then they shirk that or they blame, deflect, uh, criticize others, start, you know, throwing others under the bus per se and not being accountable at all that, hey, maybe we all make change for the better, not because it's what you did. It's it, it all of a sudden you and I've talked about this. It becomes about you and not about the goal the the what we need to change what we need to make better because typically it's not just the person that needs to change it's a process it's an issue it's a outcome that we need to improve upon but those are typically the three responses that i've seen in my career 
Yeah, and that last one, it's it's kind of like we've all seen these these reality police shows, you know, and they get the suspect in. Well, they they know this person is got a degree of guilt, and yet they immediately deflect to no, he was driving the car. I didn't. Yes, I was there, but I, you know, they immediately they do everything they can to distance from the crime, you know. And you and every single episode of those, you you hear the detectives, you know, comment how that's just how it goes in their world you know especially right. homicide detectives it's just like these people just try to act I, like i knew a person that was there yeah like they they were there but my role was really really minimal you know yes. kind of a thing okay so those three things well let me preface it by my question with a statement as leaders we are constantly if we are a leader who is caringly challenging our people and lisa and i both have admonished you to do that and by challenge we're not talking about being overtly critical we aren't talking about always finding something wrong we're talking about providing people the opportunities for growth and improvement which come in the form of us challenging our people but we have to do that in ways where they absolutely positively know that we care about them. It has to be a safe environment. As you and I are recording this, uh, the NFL is fixing to get underway. College football is less than 30 days away from starting their season. These teams are hard at work. Coaches are riding them because they know what it takes to succeed. They know what it takes to win. The best players on any of these rosters are accepting those challenges and trying to step up their game to meet those challenges. So think of it in those terms. By us as leaders putting those challenges out there to our people, it, it, it has always seemed hypocritical as I have been in the workplace, especially as a young guy working for tyrants, constantly urging us get better, urging us to improve, and yet I'm not seeing any signal that you're working on anything, you know, like you've got it all together, but we're the ones that have to do all this heavy lifting. Well, Lisa and I clearly don't have that perspective as leaders. We have to lead the parade quite literally. So if we're going to ask our people to improve, well, hello, it needs to begin with us. Okay. All that aside. So how do you handle those three things? Go through, walk us through those th three things. And as you confront those in your work, what do you, what do you do? The first one to me is the easiest. Those are typically our, I call them our shining stars, our high performers. Um, they accept it. They move on down the road and it is not personal. It is what they need to do to become better and to be better for the team. So the focus I have not yet seen, I don't know if you have, Randy, where a high performer and high achiever is only focused on themselves. I've seen most of the time the high, well, and I should say, let me add in a team player, obviously. They are focused on becoming better for the team's benefit, for the betterment of those around them. And so those are the easy ones to lead because they are usually listening they are wanting to grow they are wanting to become better and they take it and apply it and often they they ask for feedback like can you i'm about ready to present this and i struggled with it last time 
Can you give me feedback? Here's what I've worked on. I mean, that's the kind of conversations you'll have. How easy are those? Right. Sure. Those are the easy ones. The, the second one. Well, before you move on to that, I will insert here that I've only seen one exception and thankfully I don't, it doesn't apply to city government leadership, but it's worth mentioning. And that is sales. I have absolutely had rock star salespeople because it's such a competitive based kind of a skill. And because in many because cases, commissions and things yes, like that. And yeah. because in many cases they're, they're kind of, the, they're kind of the lone wolf and it is all about them and it is all about their success. And so, but I have seen it in city government. I have seen it with people that have a superior technical skill. I have seen it. I'm going to admit, I have not seen it at a director level, but I have seen it at management supervisor levels below director level. Mm -hmm. I have seen a person who brings to the job such technical competence that they have an out. Oh, well, I started to say outstanding. Let's call it overwhelming self-confidence and, and they can back it up. They've absolutely got the technical skills problem when it comes to the organization and trying to build a high performing culture, as we sometimes say, they don't suffer fools very well. Right. Meaning they don't suffer anybody else. They don't suffer any humans at all uh, because of their technical prowess. So those are the exceptions I've seen. Okay. And so I think that that's a good point because the, um, the technical transformation, those are usually conversations when you're talking about improvements, like we are here, uh, when you're talking about being the best leader we can be, those are the things you would absolutely have to discuss with the technical experts because they don't shift well into leadership. They want to continue being the expert doers right. and managing the things. They, their, their management of people is simply, did you get that task done? Because it's due today. It's yeah. not, why didn't we get the task done? Let's talk about how we can do that better next time. Michael Gerber was kind of a famous small business guru. Um, he's passed on, I think. I hope I'm right about that. <laughs> well, I'm not. That, that well, now we need awful. to look it up, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds awful. No, I'm fairly certain that he did. Anyway, he, he was famous for the E-myth. E stands for entrepreneur. And he famously said, you know, typically people go in business, they go from being the technical, the technician. I mean, take, take for example, somebody that might be a really good carpenter. Or an engineer, in our case at cities, engineers, yeah. building and, inspectors, and, very technical. But, but then they go on and they, they, they launch a business around that technical expertise, but in their head, they're still kind of the technician, you know, part. So that mm -hmm. shift, that shift is difficult, public or private sector. Okay. So keep that's going. Right. Well, no, that's, that's, those are great examples. And I think the clarity helps. Uh, second one, we talked about the pendulum shift is where they go all the way, the pendulum sing, swinging all the way to the left or all the way to the right. And they, you tell them something needs to be improved. It's very personal. They think they've failed you. Those are the ones where it's critical. And we've discussed in our prior sessions about knowing your people. You have to absolutely know the audience who you're talking to when you approach it, how you state it and what you do afterwards because just uh we so how is this going to sound how is this going to sound compared to that first one okay Give so it's an example yeah so it's um randy we we need to really work on improving 
um, how we enter payroll. It is taking, you know, 10 days and we need to lock that down into four days. And this is just a random because technical payroll right. is very technical. And would that be an example of the first one or the sec the second this is one? The, the, either one of these. This okay. is the response. So the response Randy gives. I know, but I'm saying, would you, would you, the way that you approach it at the outset, I'm assuming that that's going to be different knowing the people, like you just said. So yeah. I know, I know I'm dealing with this a player star performer, and I kind of know I can cut to the chase and get to it. Well, now, let's, now, let's talk about that one. So here's okay, how to yeah. approach that one. The high okay. performer doesn't take stuff personal. I'd, I'd say, Randy, you know, we've had this issue in payroll about it taking 10 days. Can you get me a, I, I need to know how we can knock that down to about four. Can you give me areas and let me know so that that improves? I don't have, I can just tell you and you right. respond to, okay, let me get to working on that would be the high performers. I'll get to working on that. When do you need it by? Yeah. Okay. okay? Same situation, second person. Very. Let's assume it's a very sensitive, very high emotion. Uh, you just know them. You know, mm -hmm. very high emotion. And I say, right. approach is not Randy. There's been a big issue with our payroll taking 10 days. I'd say, Randy, it seems like payroll's taken about 10 days. That seems long. Does that seem long to you? Yeah, it, it, it takes a lot of my time. Do you think there's ways we can brainstorm on how to cut that back and make it better? Yes. Can you come up with something? Yes. Okay, that's how it would start. What it then molds into over the next two days, 24 hours, is I wonder if Lisa thinks, gosh, I wonder if I'm processing stuff wrong. Start reading between have, the lines. I have, you know what? I think she's frustrated with me that it's, that I'm not being efficient. I mean, it just snowballs because by the time they get back to me, and I say, hey, did you have a chance to think on that? Like, in tears, I walk in there. You can tell they're frazzled. And they're like, I just, I thought I was doing a good job. And I don't understand um, where did this go south? And they're just, you know, and you're like, what? You, and I've literally responded going, whoa, 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 whoa. And I close the door behind me and go, okay, how did we get from yesterday to here? And stop them. And they're like, well, you said that we need to improve it. Da, da, da. I mean, that's usually how right. this honestly goes. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say, no, this, okay, this isn't about anything you've done, but I think we can improve it. Wouldn't it be better if it took you less time to keep payroll? Yes. But, and aren't you the one that's keying it? I don't want to assume and, 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 and put my suggestions on yours when I'm not the one doing it. I think you would have better ideas about where we could potentially improve or what's causing you so much time and we can solve this together. And it's all becomes a we, 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 especially here at the city of Grand Prairie, we move super fast. I mean, I call it lightning hyper, hyper pace. Many other cities may be just like us. Many cities may be in a slower pace, but we've got 90 high, you know, we need them yesterday projects on the plate. Yep. Uh, always, we're always trying to just squeeze stuff in and fit it in. In those cases, you have got to stop and work with that individual to get them back on track and focused, or they're just going to snowball themselves into now, now, now if that hyper persists. response. So if I've got this person on my team and I know that that's their reaction because I've got some history of that. Right. So now, now do you do anything to try to get in front of that? You have, you have to just approach the problem differently 
and tell them, do you get, uh, I call it agreement. You got to get agreement with them. Here's an issue. Do you see, do you see that there's an issue too? Yes. Um, wouldn't it be nice if we could solve for that and make that better for you? Yes. I mean, you just, it's all about, you're trying to help them rather than I just need this fixed because yeah but you're doing but you're doing that on the front end on the front end anyway but then two days go by and now they've had time to to let their imagination run wild and now now the sky is falling i'm i'm asking as a leader do you feel like there's anything that you can do i know this is how the person historically has reacted i give them 48 hours and and they make a mountain out of a molehill and completely turn this thing around so now armed with that knowledge is there anything that you do is there anything that you've done that has successfully headed that off so that that 48 hours of me going crazy doesn't happen? Honestly, there's two, there's two steps that seem to have minimized it. I, if it's built in the person, it's hard to completely overcome it. Yeah. They just, that is just the way they're mentally built. Typically. Yeah, Yeah. And, and honestly, it's usually because they have been brutalized either by a former individual, mm-hmm. they've had some kind of trial or tribulation over and over that's, it's it's almost like PTSD, but obviously not literally yeah, that severe. Right, as right. Somebody, I'm not gonna you know, equate that to somebody that's been through war or Afghanistan or anything. Does it but help? it is does a it reaction. To, does it help to pump them up in that very first conversation? I to, don't, to I end? haven't found, to artificially pump them up, I haven't found that to be successful. What well, I don't I have mean found, artificially, but I mean to focus on something, I, I don't know, to try to stem the paranoia that you know is coming. I When I've done it, I just try to frame it with questions of, I have you seen, does it frustrate you with the length of time? It seems like I see you working a lot on payroll. Yes. You, tr- you try to get the buy-in on the front end mm-hmm. and then you um for me it's always been i feel like you're the best person that can solve for this right you know and once you bring me some ideas but sometimes they just can't see the strategic side they just aren't again aren't wired that way either because they're reactionary in your experience is it something that they just have to process so they have to process and you have to remember i said it's two steps Uh i have to on the front end approach it completely different and it's a you're the expert. I'd love to hear from you first, and then let's troubleshoot together so that right. they know they've got a partner. Right. But then secondly, after you know that they're going to process it, I almost always go back in within the next day or two and say, remember when we talked about that? Just want to make, how are you feeling about it? And I just ask them, and that's where they're either break down or they're like, well, I just thought you're frustrated. I don't want you being frustrated with me. And I just reassure Mm-hmm. That's not it at all. But, you know, all of that also comes with trust. Sure. If you're a new leader, that's going to be less likely to be successful on the front end than it is long term because they have, you have to prove up what you're saying. Right. That is, it's real and it's genuine and it's transparent. Well, and there's a first time for all of these conversations. I mean, not, none of us none of us stepped in and had our 10th conversation as our first one. That's right. You know, so That's right. So that's, you know, I think those two steps are critical in that particular yeah. second right. uh, scenario where you have an emotional, an H&E person, huge and emotional, yeah. um, because they do exist and they can still be great workers. That's You've right. just got to know how to manage them, right? You have to know how to manage yep. that personality. So we and get to the lastly, third defensive person and now the how third defensive, hardest to deal with. If they are defensive, 
and deflecting and blaming, and you've seen this over and over, I'd tell you you've got the wrong member of your team. We've always talked about get them on the bus or get them off the bus. Mm-hmm. Lastly, if you can get them in the right seat on the bus, maybe they're not in the right seat and there's another place they can be successful with their skill set. Mm-hmm. But the the defensive and deflective, they're also typically the ones who can be a cancer in your organization because they are the naysayers behind the scenes when you aren't there. That's yes, because they're busy throwing everybody under the bus. That's right. And they, to their face, are often you know, I can't, can you believe Lisa said that about that, about mm-hmm. us? All right. of a sudden they're going, no, Lisa said what about who, you know? Right. <laughs> so right. I think that's the most destructive personality, very hard to overcome because no matter what you say and how you appropriately communicate it, appropriately communicate the problem. Uh, if you're a good, good leader, great leader, you're going to tell them and be genuine, but they don't receive it that way. And the receptive part is how they're wired. It's been really hard, Randy, unless you found a different circumstance to change that. I usually just ultimately, I try, I make notes and get them off the bus eventually because I just can't, it is destructive and I've been around too long and seen it too many times that the pattern is absolutely consistent. Very hard to change that personality. Well, that's why we've had so many conversations and we'll keep on having the conversations about willingness. Right. You know, you've got a person that's they're they're not they're only willing to see it the way they see it or to feel the way they feel and immediately to get defensive because when you start talking about a responsibility or accountability in their head they hear blame and they that's refuse right. to accept any blame. And in my experience, quite often blame is not even on the table. Blame is not even anywhere in the conversation. We're trying to solve for But it's issue. what but it's what they hear. You know, right. they just hear that you're just wanting to point the finger at somebody. I mean, unless well, unless somebody in our audience has a different experience, I've just not found anything real profitable in, you know, well, let's stop the presses and let's find out whose fault this is. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, no, I've never out. found that to be successful. No, solution. I mean, let, let's find out what the, you know, what's the problem? Where did the, where did the problem emanate? And no doubt there can be humans attached to that, but you started the conversation, I think appropriately by talking about, you know, a process, a system. I mean, so in, in many, 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 many cases, that's the breakdown. The 90% break- of my time yeah. spent on solving is a process issue. There's a process break. They'll, they'll say, well, this person is slow. They're taking too long to do whatever. But when you start really questioning it, okay, tell me, tell me how it's done back up to step one Mm -hmm. and then step two. And then I usually get them in a room as we're solving for this. Um, and then as we go through and go, okay. And I will literally go, okay, is that how you understand it as well? And we'll look at the two players of the team or three players or or five members. And almost, I I tell you 90% or better. They go at a certain point, they go, Oh, no, 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 no. That's no, it doesn't come to us like that. We don't right. get that. Right. We didn't we're not know getting that. that email you're talking about. <laughs> right. And we're like, what do you mean? You're not getting an email that tells you that mm-hmm. you need to check these things. No. And we'll go investigate. Well, it was sent to somebody who's no longer with us and they didn't get the, mm-hmm. the flow, you know, the process flow updated or right. whatever through right. it. Um, so those are, it's almost always a process issue. Now, occasionally we all know there are people issues. That's right. We talked about cancers in the organization, mm-hmm. destructive behaviors. Uh, but almost always, if you're truly solving the issue and you got the right people in the room, 
and you ask enough questions, we talked about being curious, you'll find out where the breakdown is if you don't assume anything. If you assume things like bad news bears, mm. I would write it on the chalkboard, but we know what that does. Yep. <laughs> right. Right? Makes yep. an ass out of you and me. Assume. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you don't want to do that. That right. is not good. And so, you know, on the, I think the one thing to mention as we talked about that third scenario, there's a big difference between when I say somebody's defensive and deflecting than having good, hard dialogue. Because there can be constructive, hard dialogue where you're saying, hold, hold on. What are you, what have you heard on that topic? And I've done this with my boss before. I'm like, wait, wait a second. Where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. And, and I start asking questions and it's hard conversations. It's, it's, it's not in your face. We're not disrespectful, yeah. but I can stop it. And, and I'm not going to have something assumed is happening. That's not actually happening, or they might've misheard, misunderstood. And those often have good outcomes. You know, I'll say, where, where is that coming from? Well, I, I heard it from so-and-so, or I, I received an email and there was a concern. And I'm like, I don't need to know who said what, but you might want to check with them because that has not been my experience. And I want to make sure I'm, as I try to solve for this, that I'm solving for the right thing. And this isn't a one person's perspective. And often when they double check, they realize, well, yeah, that didn't ever happen. That was just that one instance. It's not a, you know, happening all the time, or it's not an everyday occurrence. That was a one-off. And we that's don't another, really need to solve for that. And that's another reason as a leader, when you sit down and have those conversations, I mean, kind of have as a, an accurate lay of the land as you possibly can. And if mm-hmm. you question that you do, then start the conversation with questions, not with solutions or proposals, yeah. you know, to go, ahead, easy to to go ahead and find out. Yeah. How many people do that? How many people you say here, uh, we need to fix blah, 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 blah. And here's well, what I'm thinking. And they just immediately yeah. go into, and you're like, okay, hold, hold on. That's not, first of all, how it works. You know, you really, if you're the expert and you know how it works, usually they're innocently trying to solve because they want to make it better and move on down the road. But you've got to, you've got to stop well, them and say, that's about, what let got me us, look into it. Because that's what got us there. Because yes, what got correct. you there, what got me there, what got everybody where they are in, in the hierarchy of leadership is being that problem solver. So we got rewarded, (laughs) right? We got rewarded for this behavior and then we get to this point and now it's easy for us to drink the Kool-Aid and to believe our own press and to think we're all that. And then some it's natural, something that we have to face. Um, but now I've got this conversation and I, I want to leap to it. It's funny. I, I can, I can have, I can get CEOs in a room and we can talk about some problem that any one of them have think about kind of a mastermind group situation. And the hardest thing to do is, you know, I've got to be a lion tamer because you got a bunch of alpha personalities. They're all, they're all fixers, right? I mean, they're, they're all problem solvers. And so to get them to stomp down long enough to just ask some questions, to make sure, let's make sure that we really understand this. They immediately leap to years ago. I came up with an analogy of a traffic investigator 
if a traffic investigator came upon a four-way stop and there was some major accident, a seasoned investigator could easily take a look around and go, well, I've seen this a million times. I know exactly what happened. Meanwhile, you got all these pedestrians on all four corners. You've got other drivers going eight different directions. So you got a lot of people that, that could help you. But it would be real easy to think, ah, I, I got this. He ran the stop sign. Here we go again. But he could be wrong or she could, could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. They could they could get it wrong by not getting these other perspectives and and we can all we can all do the same thing. And we all learn from, those are exactly the lessons we learn in our leadership journey that help teach us not to do that. If you're young in your leadership, you know, if you're a listener that's young in your leadership journey, likely you're going to make this mistake. You're going to assume you know what happened. You aren't going to have investigated fully and it will come back and maybe bite you and maybe just nudge you and you go, Oh, I didn't, I should have asked that person. Yeah. Uh, this happens a lot. Uh, when we do investigations early on, we were like, you know, I don't need to ask. I got the, I've got the complainant. I know the other person it's probably happened this way. Um, early on, you always want to, I, I tell our staff as an example of this, be sure you get enough facts that your assumptions, what you think you know to be true, are proven to be true. And it's not a one person. It's like asking your two children that are in a fight, who's, who started it? And they both point to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody did, but the perspective is the other person started it for whatever reason. Right. The fact, the truth is somewhere in the middle of the two, two statements. Now they can be right. blatantly lying. We've all had that too, sure. but typically they remember a little piece and they had a little piece and somebody instigated the other one to a fight. Right. Not necessarily the one who swung first either. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know? That's right. So well, it's anyway. the old, it's the old trust. It's the old trust and verify. Okay, so these are these three situations, and I can promise you that our audience, you can relate. Of if you, if you are, if you have direct reports, you can relate to everything that Lisa has, has mentioned. Or now, even team members. Right? Yeah, now, yeah, exactly. Now let's bring it, let's bring it inward. And let's talk about this personal responsibility and accountability for us. So we're leaders, we're on this side of the desk and I get these conversations and that that's important, but now how can we see which of those three we may be because we can all assume, well, I, I'm, I'm a leader or I've got a title. I, I'm the, I'm the a player. Well, tap the brakes on that. Cause you may not it, be. That's right. And I think it's interesting because if you're a listener right now, I suspect there's at least one person in our audience that just thought, well, I'm defensive because of who I'm talking to of my leader and the way they respond to me. Okay. I'm sure that is happening in the audience right now. And I'm sure, like you said, there's, there's others that are going, no, well, I'm, I'm definitely the one that takes accountability and I'm, I definitely, I'm eager to learn and eager to change. And I think there is a little bit of both of those. that's probably true because how we respond is often based on how it's posed to us, how the question or the response is posed to us. Because somebody's saying, Randy, and who does? You know, you you have you really screwed up this time. How are we going to fix this? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a totally different approach than saying, Hey, Randy, I know we had this issue that came up that you briefed me on, 
that had to be really frustrating. So have you thought about how we're going to solve for that? That's a totally different yeah. approach. So I do think it depends on, uh, on the approach taken of those talking to you. But as you progress and as our audience is listening and you're determining which of those three you are, I would encourage you and challenge you, how are you going to change that? How do you think you are? And you might ask the question, how do others perceive you? How did you determine, how did you see, how did you see how you were and how did you, how did you gain clarity? Well, to beg the phrase, you know, trust, but verify, how did you then verify that how you saw yourself was an accurate depiction? Yeah. Let's talk about that before we get to the change part. Let's end on the change part. Their growth. Well, part. Let's, let's talk about first, uh, you know, we all have weaknesses, right? We've talked yeah. about this. I can naturally be defensive when it comes to my people because I don't like my people being targeted. My staff, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Others that I've worked with, if somebody starts uh, in on somebody else, I can initially be defensive and I I can recognize it pretty quickly because that's my, that's my I call it my freaky button. Yeah. When you're why, is that, why, is that, why is that your freaky button? Um, because you know, as a leader, how hard your people are working. And when somebody makes an assumption that, you know, okay. um, right. Isn't mm -hmm. factual. Yep. You know, you know, the situation and they're raising it in a different light. Right. Maybe you were involved in it. Maybe you, Do you feel like it's it? a reflection on you personally. I don't, I don't, okay. but I don't like the team being discredited in front of others when I know how hard they work. Cause that's destructive yep. and I think it's inappropriate. Yep. So I get a little bit lit up on that. Uh, and I have to catch myself and, and, and literally, as I mentioned earlier, I go, hold on, wait right. a second. Yeah. Are you talking about the situation that occurred? That was a different. And I right. mean, I kind of stop it in its tracks yeah. and say, if we need to talk about that, that's in a different place. That's not here in front of the city manager and the deputy city manager that you yeah. report to and want to shine in front of. Right, right. Because they are then taking the approach to throw out, they're, they're taking that approach, throw others under the bus. Yeah. So they look better. Right. Inappropriate. And I will not let that happen. Um, but I do it respectfully. That's one area that as I so see that myself. that's in the breaks when you sense yourself getting defensive. You've just, you've learned that over time, I suspect. I have, and that's through good mentors and good um, leaders that I trust, and they'll question me. Was that say, do you think that was born mostly from the experience that from the experience you got when you showed your defensiveness, and then that garnered some response from whom, whomever you were answering to? Did you, you learn? Know, did you learn it through that? How did you learn that? No, for me. I honestly, I always have surrounded myself by people I respect and trust. It would be like you, uh, Cheryl, my boss, right. Ben, my former, my former director when I was a manager. I would have a rough encounter with somebody mm -hmm. and I would go talk to them, to, to my, uh, the person I trust, like yeah. a Cheryl. I'd go, right. hey, this is like I had an issue where I had to respond um, to a fellow director once. And I went to Cheryl and saying, Cheryl, this was difficult. And I was pretty lit up about this. I want you to read this response and here's how I'm trying to respond. And I feel like every time it is blowing up in my face, it's not going well. Mm -hmm. And she gives a response back 
And she helped me break it down by being curious. I knew it was safe. She didn't place blame. She assessed it and said, no, I think you're doing this well. But remember, and she would get kind of get, give me tips. Mm -hmm. It's those encounters where I self initiated, hey, I, I need another set of eyes making sure I'm responding appropriately because this is my freaky button. Right. Um, well, and I think that's a really button. important point, though. I think I think everybody I mean, we come on, we've got to encourage everybody, all of us to you've got to have you've got to have safe people. And clearly you gotta the, surround yourself and it doesn't have to be 10. It can be no. two. It could be me. And clearly Randy, people that understand clearly people that understand the context, you know, I mean, you could come on. We can all get advice givers. But that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about safe people that can help us see things more clearly, which is your illustration. Yeah, and it's it's sometimes it you know in my case it could be Don. I, I made a, a reference recently. Her husband. I was, yes, my husband, and I was talking in a conversation. I was working from home, having a good dialogue with a group, explaining. They had asked me to explain the processes to this uh, new team, and so I was doing that. Didn't recognize that I wasn't hardly taking a breath because I was very passionate about it and hung up the, I mean, they were, they were, they did ask questions. I responded back, hung up the, <laughs> hung up the call. And for those of you that don't know my husband, by the way, Randy, he has agreed to come on the show. Excellent. I know. So we will get him on the show cause he's got great insight, but he looked at me and he said, babe, do me a favor. This is, he's very direct to everybody. He goes, no nonsense. When you're taking it, when you're having a conversation, try taking a breath. <laughs> and he said it exactly like that. He goes, you know, others may have something to say too. And I was like, oh my gosh, did I do that? And he goes, well, you had really good points, but several times they, you didn't pick up the cues. They were like, uh, um, uh, I, you know, <laughs> and then they would just sit back and listen. And I don't want to be that person, but you have to, I could have easily been the defensive going, no, no, I had a lot to say. It was very good. And I'm important, right. Don. <laughs> right. But right. I recognized it instantly. I'm like, you know what? I do remember them trying to say something. I was so eager about the topic. I'm going to watch that. I do not want people feeling like I'm over talking them. But you and I are both prone to that self-reflection as well. Yeah, I think that's a topic. I think that's a topic worth talking about, though, when it comes to effective leadership. And it's not because she and I both have it, but I just do not know how you can be a great leader, an effective leader, and not have it. I'm well, not saying that you've got to be overcome by it. We don't want to be that number two scenario, right? We right. don't want to be that person that just now we just go and constantly berate ourselves. That will not help you become an effective leader, but we do have to have enough sense of ownership over the outcome and over what our next step is going to be. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, as we kind of wind down and get to the, to the last quarter poll here. So when it comes to our leadership and it comes to our own personal growth, which means we, we are accepting responsibility and we are accepting accountability and we're doing that number one, because it's the right thing to do. It's right. the most profitable way to live. We could have an episode where we try to sell you on that if you need to be sold on it. Um, but also because we need to show our people the way we are challenging our people at every turn to fix what ails you 
fix what else our department for us to get better, for us to grow great. And this isn't a, we and a them. This is not, you guys need to do this while I sit up here with my feet on the desk, because I've got all this figured out already. Right. If you are not self-reflecting, if you are not taking advice or seeking it, you're missing out on the opportunity to step it up a notch. I just, we all, I've been in this, I've been a leader since 2006. Um, and every day I learn something new and different days, Cheryl challenges me on something and different days, Don recognizes something in me and, and makes a suggestion. If I were to poo poo all those, I wouldn't be progressing in my journey either. I want to be the best I can be. And if you don't want to be that, and you're not willing to listen to the advice of others or seek counsel and make sure how you think you handled it is truly how you handled it and how you're seen as handling it. You're not going to be the best you can be. It's just impossible. You'll be the same version of yourself over and over. And I would hope nobody that's listening wants to be that. Yeah, I doubt doubt anybody's going to click play on a podcast called grow great. That's a city government leadership podcast, unless they're interested in. Yeah. And and, you know, we're, we're hoping nobody's out there going, no, I just want to stay average. It's just easy. Yeah, right. <laughs> you exactly. know, nobody wants to do that. No, no. At least it's listening to these or, li- or doing any kind of That's right. leadership training. That's right. Well, let's talk about as we, as we kind of wrap up, let's talk about, so personal responsibility and accountability have been the subject and we've taken this, maybe it seems a weird approach to the audience, but hopefully not, but let's talk about what that means because as we started out especially for the person for number two, your number two and number three scenario, that's not what they're hearing. And it, it may or may not matter quite how you couch it. It may or may not matter quite how you word it. It still is what they hear. And what they hear is largely is blame. We are not talking about blame. There are lots of things that happen in the workplace and in our personal lives that we, we played no part in or we played a very minor part in, but to say, well, that's our fault. And you and I've talked before how important it is for a leader to be able to stand up in front of our people and to apologize when we did get it wrong, when we were to blame, when we did make a decision and that decision turned out to not be a good decision and owning that is still personal accountability and responsibility. I don't even think about that scenario so much in terms of blame as I do guilt in that, yes, I did that because I'm in charge and I've got this position and I made a decision. I imposed that decision on you guys. Turns out it wasn't the right decision. And here's what I learned from it. And I'm sorry. And here's some lessons I learned from, and I'm going to try my best to not repeat it. That's one thing. But that really isn't the context of our conversation. Right. You know, today, this conversation has been more about, well, you use the phrase owning it. So let's wrap up and talk about what does that mean versus accepting blame? Owning it to me is accepting responsibility for change for the betterment of you and the team. It's setting aside your personal 
feelings about it and looking at the issue as a whole and what they are asking you to improve upon and acknowledging that maybe there is a better way and it may not be the exact way that they are seeing it because you will have leaders that are going to tell you you need to fix this process and you may not think it's broken and I've had that before. We've all probably had that. That's not broken. It's because somebody told you it was broken because they didn't like the outcome. Right. But you can still look at the process and research the process and say, where could we improve upon the process and still have a story to tell that's positive at the end of that and the journey with your team of exploring processes. There are so many outcomes that are positive to that whole scenario. If you just take time as Don said, take a breath mm -hmm. and think about what they've asked you to do and just go look at it, right? Just go yeah. look at it and improve upon it. That's the biggest advice I can give because being defensive, uh, discrediting others, those are all things that you think you're doing to make yourself look better. And absolutely, it really is only reflecting on you. It's reflecting on you and your character when you have to take that route to belittle others to make yourself look better. And that's, yeah. that's it in a nutshell for me. For me, the distinction between blame and accepting responsibility and accountability, while they can be one and the same, like I said, sometimes as leaders, we just, we get it wrong. We get it wrong. There, there are situations where I think we need to have the courage to apologize where that's necessary. But for me, the difference blame, is past tense and accountability and responsibility is present tense and future tense. So for me, my thought process is, okay, now what, you know, I use this road rage incident <clears throat> as an example, constantly in coaching, because here we are in Dallas, Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, and traffic is a nightmare and mm -hmm. road rage is a kind of kind of a common thing here it may not be and where it's you... been 106 for like four months straight yeah exactly so people's I... tempers are at, at peak <laughs> yes they are and i've got thunder outside by the way while i'm really recording. i do okay. i don't have rain we can't digress I... we can't stay, stay focused randy yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway so the road rage industry you've experienced it sure you know somebody cuts you off and you immediately have these emotions and they're not good Meanwhile, the person's boogieing on down the road. They don't even have a clue who you are. Uh, and yet, you know, they're to blame. Did you do anything? No, you're just, you're, you're driving along. But now that whole blame thing that you're ascribing to this person who cut you off and you're thinking of all the, you know, who do they think they are? They think their time's more important, blah, 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 blah. And we get really wrapped around the axle about it all and that's the whole blame game thing. Well, it was past ten. It, it's it happened. It and has already done. it has already happened. Now you can either turn the page or you can fume over it, like many people do. And I think about that in terms of this personal accountability and responsibility because by owning it does not mean that you are to blame. It does not mean that you're guilty of anything. It does not mean that it it's in any way your fault. But for me, the question is: Okay, now what? Now, what are you going to do? I mean, here are the cards you're dealt. So now what are you going to do? And you can pawn it off on somebody else and you can say, well, it's somebody else's fault and somebody else needs to take care of it. Or you can accept as Lisa said, and you've, we've all heard this. And we all use this phraseology. You can own it. You can own it, which means this is your life. This is your leadership. 
This is your team, your organization. These are your peers. You can have influence on these people that can make a positive difference. And it begins with you or you can acquiesce and say, yeah, somebody else It's somebody else's job, somebody else's fault. And I guarantee it. Yeah. I guarantee it. If you take the approach of being defensive, your team is going to see you be defensive and they're going to mirror it. You're creating a, you are creating an entire team of defensive people that are not going to be problem solvers because they are watching you and working like you. Yep. And that is not what you want to do. No. You want to create a team of high performers, independent thinkers, eager to solve the problems of your organization and eager to find solutions that make our lives and our work better. Right? Yep. So All right. Thanks for you only have play. the option for one. For number yeah, one of those three right. scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> choose it. Choose it yeah. wisely. Yeah. Pick pick one. Literally <laughs> pick the number one. <laughs> pick that first one. Be that. Hey, thanks for clicking play. We appreciate you. The audience continues to grow. The email list continues to grow. Visit the website at growgreat.com. Sign up for the email. You get one email a week. This is the easy way. Sometimes people will ask us about subscribing. Most of you already know how. I'm still amazed at how many people are listening to us through Spotify. Thank you. Uh, It doesn't matter how you want to listen to us. We're on every podcast platform known to man. But if you want a super, super easy way, we send one email every Monday, if I'm not mistaken, for whatever episodes we released the week prior. Mostly we release one episode every Wednesday now. Uh, Occasionally we may sneak a second one in there, but it's an easy way to make sure that you don't miss anything. So let me encourage you to do that. Growgreat.com is the website. Anything to add, Lisa, before we say goodbye? No, I think the only, uh, I'm excited that we've got some potential guests lined up that are yeah. great, that have been uh, excellent leaders, innovative leaders, that'll bring some perspective uh, to the show. We like bringing in guests, so you're not always just hearing from Randy and I and our perspectives, but those that are really are well-known in their industries. So I'm excited to bring those guests aboard here shortly. Yeah, me too. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.